You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am here today with a father-daughter pair that I am really excited about. <laughs> they are already laughing, which means they are excited about. It is, it is with great pleasure that I have with me today Peter Gallagher and Catherine Gallagher, recent Tony nominee from Broadway's Jag Little Pill. <laughs> and Peter, her biggest fan, who we also are big fans of from his glorious career on Broadway, on the big screen, on the small screen. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm here with Peter and Catherine. Hello, you two. Hello. 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 It's lovely to be here with you. Oh, it's so great oh. to be here with you. Eva, I feel like now you're going to just see where I get it from. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, this explains her entire personality, which is helpful. Well, not it's just half your personality. <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope so. That half. <laughs> and, and what's really funny or sort of interesting is like there's, there was a portion of this pandemic where you were living under the same roof. So that yes. father daughter relationship had to sort of rediscover itself as full-on adults in a pandemic sharing a home. So I know you're apart now, but do, do you miss each other? Is, is Yes, it was glorious. Oh, yeah. And there was, there was nothing adult about it. We don't have, <laughs> and we don't have any expectations of, of achieving that status for years. But it was great. It was, it was great. I loved it. I could see it was torture for Catherine and father. <laughs> But their mother and I didn't mind. It wasn't torture. I think it was really nice. And and it was actually it was it was definitely interesting being in this time of like, oh, the world feels like it's absolutely ending. But at the same time, I'm like back under the same roof as my parents and my brother, and I feel like I'm 16 in sort of the best way. Because I, I feel like when I'm with my parents, I'm like, oh, well, nothing bad's going to happen because my mom and dad are here. <laughs> you know, it's just this yeah. like nice sort of, it was like a really, really special way to spend the summer. I don't think I ever expected to get to spend that much time with my parents as an adult ever. I do think that when, you know, especially growing up sort of living in both New York and LA and and always sort of 
and then you know going into the same industry as, as you dad it's like i our whole family has wait this what <laughs> surprise <laughs> what I yeah know. i know i'm sorry dad um, joke. <laughs> more, more to come. Morning to all. Morning I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> but I do feel like I, I, you know, our whole family is so used to being in so many different places and in a state of like what a lot of people would sort of find like terrible. <laughs> yeah, so in a state of like what most people would find to be like you know Un- unsettling, crazy. Yeah, like unsettling. I think you learn, you grow up sort of learning how to find home in many different places. Where you are. Right. Yeah. And so for a lot of this pandemic and these sort of like new circumstances, it's like, I think, you know, our family was sort of really good at adapting to it because our family is constantly adapting to mm. new circumstances and new cities or places or, you know, combinations of cities at a time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Having a father in showbiz, I yeah. think forces adaptability. That makes a lot of sense. So this is a show about firsts. Usually we have one guest today. We have two. So we're going to talk about both your firsts and I'm going to leave the unruliness up to each of you, not determining <laughs> who gets to speak first. I think that'll be more entertaining, <laughs> but Having a Tony-nominated daughter, in addition to a wonderful daughter, a talented daughter, a successful daughter, like the day that news came in, what did that feel like? It was, it was really powerful. I was, I was so happy that the, the right thing happened. And I was so concerned that Look, it's a tough guy. It's a tough road, Broadway and the Tonys, the Tonys in particular, especially what they've become. They certainly weren't like that, you know, years ago. Now they're, it's like a, a death match. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I know what it's like not to be nominated. I know what it's like to, and how painful that, and know what it's like to be nominated. And so I just, and it's never really had anything to do with the quality of the experience I've had on stage or the, the, uh, um, so I was just really hoping that she wouldn't be hurt too much. Mm. And then when it turned out, well, I was just so deeply grateful to, uh, you know, the fates to the Tonys <laughs> and, um, that it, she had some good news. I was just really, you know, little, little bits of good news like that can keep you going for decades, yeah. for years. And I also love the fact that she got her nomination in the theater that I got my nomination, my mm-hmm. first nomination in, in 1986. So yeah. <laughs> we love the Broadhurst. I was actually working. I was doing an audible book <laughs> uh, with John Lithgow and a bunch of people. And the whole time I'm thinking they're going to announce. Oh God, they're going to announce. And then I rapped, walked down, and got the news. And she was on the phone. It was beautiful. That's amazing. So the 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 show you were in when you were nominated at the Broadhurst was which was that Long Day's Long, Long Day's Journey into Night. Oh, that's amazing. That's well, that's a nugget if I've ever heard one. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, well, that's let's. Pretty cool. 
let's dive in. Let's dive into our first. Catherine, we're going to hear more from you and on how and how that all felt as well, but we're mm-hmm. we're going to get there. Um first show you were ever in. Tell me about it. Who are you talking to? Ooh, well, either one, Dad. This is where okay, you do okay. it out, kids. Oh, yeah. okay. oh no, no, I'll be quiet now. I'll <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the first show I was in, the first like, well, were my dance recitals. Which, um, Broadway Dance Center. <laughs> OMG. Dad, would you like to explain what it was? What how amazing I was in my first dance recital? You were so awesome in hip hop. It was really, really. <laughs> how old were you? Like? Seven? Four. No, I was like six. really small. I started oh. taking dance class when I was four. I didn't oh, take hip hop right. till I was six, though. You you wouldn't have known then that she would years later she would be a Broadway dance captain. <laughs> Putting it really nicely. But she was she was absolutely her choreography. She was absolutely precisely correct, just one beat behind, which is actually the same thing I used to do. As my mom said, she was like, you know, you were behind, but then you. Always hit the pose. Oh, right. Really you finished well. like a, you, you, your final pose was killer. It was like, boom, whoa. You could stick really bad for six minutes and then then a strong yeah. finish. You could stick the landing. That I could stick the landing. Yeah, That's definitely. Nice. And then my first musical, though, was Hairspray. It mm. was when we first moved to LA and I was Corny Collins, um, oh. which was, yeah. Which was my first foray into yeah, but you you played, but you also did hairspray again, and you were phenomenal. Thank you. I did it again as Tracy Turnbull when I had my first kiss with. And, and can I say, her mama rose at the age of twelve. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Ethel had nothing on her. I'm serious. It I, was revelatory. I'm serious. I know. Sure. I was looking at that show, and your mother was looking at that show, and it blew our minds how good you oh. were. And Thank it was you, that Dad. performance that was like, oh shit. Wow. <laughs> She's and- just signed up for a life of heartbreak and yeah. and and mind rending. You knew um, it but- then. You knew it then when you saw her. Peter, what was the first show you were in? I, I don't remember exactly how it happened. Uh the thing that I I, I, I the, my first show could have been the Fantastics. I can't quite remember. Well, I, I, I because I th- it might have been the Fantastics because they were asking for people who could do a Cockney accent, <laughs> and I had this suspicion that I could do a Cockney accent, and I also didn't know if I could sing, but I had suspected I could sing, and so I I suspected I could do this Cockney accent, but I couldn't really prove it because I'd never done it in front of, and it took me the auditions were four hours long. And I paced outside in front of my French teacher's class for three hours and 45 minutes with trying to get up the nerve. And he goes, what are you doing? Just go in. Just go in and try it. So I went in just as Mr. Bissell was leaving. And I went in and auditioned. And sure enough, my Cockney accent wasn't bad. And he, I, I got the part. Wow. I had no idea. It was, really a, it was really a joy to discover that world on theater because it was in theater there. Yeah. That's amazing. What was the first show you ever saw, Catherine? Well, <clears throat> I think <laughs> what we had a discussion about this. I it was Annie, but my first Annie. memory is Lion King, uh, and I right. think they were only months apart. But I just remember all of the actors like running by me in the aisle. I, I was like four or three and a half or something. I was a very young kid, 
Um, but I just remember all the kids, like or the kids, all the actors, the They're professional kids. Broadway actors, like running past me um, in the aisle, like full costume with the incredible like colors. That's all I remember. So that, was the lion that, that was Lion King. Right. Yeah, that, that was, was Lion King. Yeah, Annie. I remember that. That was amazing. But when I did but see I Annie, I insisted on dressing up as Annie for every single day for my entire like for first like year of ten high years. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but she was so invested. I mean, well. She was the cute. We have pictures. She was a cute. Honestly, she had the little boily thing around her. Your daughter neck. is the cutest. Yeah. Well, you were. And, <laughs> exactly. But the Gave cutest little Annie. In her mind, she was Annie for like oh, yeah. months. Sure. You know, and she had the doily thing around her neck and the little patent leather shoes and the ankle socks and the red dress. At no point you were were you and your wife concerned that our daughter is so obsessed with Annie that she's only wearing doilies and patent leathers like what <laughs> what what does a, a parent to do when that happens or well you know what it's, it's sort of like potty training mm. you figure by the time they're 18 they'll have it figured out <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean chances are if she's still wearing that dress by the time she's 18 <laughs> we got we got other issues we have issues you know? yes and most I, I, for me, it's like a friend of ours once said about raising kids, stand back and be surprised. Mm. And so what we were into was, you know, supporting the delight. Yeah. You know, if she wasn't, you know, inflamed with setting the couch on, on fire, that wouldn't have been good. But she was into Annie, which right. you know, ended up opening up so many, you know, avenues of interest and happiness and energy. And uh, so you just, you, which push when you saw her in that get up, you just couldn't help but smile. That's amazing. Peter, what was the first show you saw? Oh, this is kind of cool. The first show, I, and this was, I saw uh, Hello Dolly with Cab Calloway and, well, with Pearl Bailey and Cab Calloway. Mm -hmm. And it was the first Broadway show I'd ever seen. Again, it was on a field trip, Mr. Bissell loved. <laughs> the our high school teacher took us and it blew my mind. I had never, I mean, if I had no idea, it was like watching, you know, I was like, wow, this is like a movie on, in real life. And then, so years, a thousand years later, I'm doing uh, uh, a play on Broadway of the Country Girl in 2008 with Morgan Freeman and, and Mike Nichols directed uh, Franny McDormand. And, and Morgan and I, before, the, every, before every performance, we would sing and dance. In fact, we sang a lot of Sinatra together uh, or Al Green. It was either Frank or Al. And he loved Come Fly With Me because he's a pilot and he loves that. And so we were singing and dancing. Every, it was our warm up. And we'd talk about all this stuff and say, say hello, Dolly. He said, oh, I was in Hello, Dolly. Morgan was Rodolfo, the head waiter in the production of Hello, Dolly, that I saw. Of course. Of course. So, so that was cool. Wow. And, mm. and though we don't usually get to ask our guests this, I am going to ask you both this. What was the first show you ever saw the other one in? Um, the first show I saw my dad in was at Lincoln Center, Anna Get Your Gun with him and Patti Lapone. It was like a one night only thing. 
And that was just, I have like one memory of being really high up, which I actually don't know if that's true. Cheap seats. Um, it was true. But- you were in the cheap seats. It was packed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I just, was it in the round or something? Well, it was at the, uh, it was kind of in the, it was like a three quarter. I forget which were yeah, we were. Yeah, I Vivian Bo- like We must have been at the Vivian Beaumont, I think. Eli Wallach was in that production and. And yeah, and that was the first time I ever saw you do anything. And I feel like I also remember a girl from my school was like in the ensemble, like as one of the kids. Oh, right. I feel like I had that memory. But yeah, that was the first thing. And then, but the first time I really like have memories of the performance was when my dad was doing Noises Off Mm -hmm. and I was like seven or eight then maybe. Yeah. And um, I just ended up, you know, like pretending like the theater was like... (laughs) jungle gym I feel like that was like the first time where I like knew all the places to go and there was this one moment in the show when my dad entered from um the back of the house and came down the aisle and so he put me on take your daughter to work day he put me in like you know the last row on the aisle so he could sit next to me for you know right before he went on stage and um and that theater ended up being where I made my Broadway debut in Spring Awakening, the Brooks mm-hmm. Atkinson. And I remember there was this one time once I was in the show in Spring Awakening, my dad had just gotten off a plane and he came in and like snuck in for, you know, just purple summer, like the last 10 minutes of the show or something, as soon as he got off the, the flight and like snuck in. And I remember seeing him standing right behind that chair that I sat in when I was a kid. And I was like, this is a cool thing that doesn't happen often. I was like, that's a really mm-hmm. nice, it was a really beautiful moment for me to get to have that was a beautiful moment for me too <clears throat> you know that was <laughs> that was kind of an amazing production because we started rehearsal on 9-11 and uh you know four weeks later when we were supposed to open our doors for previews there was anthrax in the air and people were saying that broadway might be dead mm. and uh and we opened our doors for the first previews and people filled the theater night after night after night and they made sounds of they laughed like so explosively. It sounded like surgery without anesthesia. <laughs> and I felt so lucky to be doing that show for New York at that time. And to be, if something happened again, I could run home. <clears throat> and then when it was take your daughter to work day, because <laughs> I was friends mm-hmm. with the ushers and the house staff and stuff, they mm-hmm. saved her, Catherine, this beautiful little seat that I, when I come back in and out of the house, in and out of the house, up from upstage because I was the director of the show and how the show within the show, I'd be able to come back out and sit next to her and say, okay, this is going to happen. Okay. I got to go. I'll be back in a minute. And, um, and she sat, she was the first, you know, she, she was the first person has ever sat with me through my whole procedure before I go on, which is meditation and your makeup and that quiet time. I thought I'm going to include her in every single millisecond of, my this experience that I can, and what I loved is she got to know, and you know, it was the same house staff to Terry. I think Terry was on the. I don't know, yeah, they Terry all the remembered door. me. And Mike, you know, was one of the carpenters, and oh my god, he! I when I first started working there, it was literally like I had eighteen <laughs> big brothers, <laughs> and I, I just remember I was going through a breakup <laughs> while I was doing the Brooks, and they saw me like crying one day. And Mike came up to me and he was like, who, who do we need to hurt? And I was like, cool, 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 cool. I was like, no one for the record. But I just remember it was like, 
you know, the same doorman, this everyone. And I was like, this is like, this is the family business in the most real way. Yeah. Well, it's it's also what, you know, if you've, I've done, I think 10 shows on Broadway now. And it's like, that's the stuff that you, you know, when you see the same crew guys Mm. on different shows and if you work in the same house and you get to, you know, the ushers, you know, that this ushers, daughter is working in that theater over there and this and uh um you know when i when i was doing the original company of greece on broadway we were at the, what was then called the royale and you know there were uh al van Prague was a head carpenter and and his sons jimmy and and mike were on the rail <laughs> they were, we were all about the same age jimmy went on to be a a a, a, a seer a, a you know a like a uh, medium and Mike stayed on the rail and I went back and to do uh, that show with more. I just need you to know that you said a seer and a medium. And I was like, Oh my God, he talks to dead people. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. He does. Jimmy Van That's Prague. what you he's meant. Famous. Yes. He's a famous one. Wait, that's actually what you meant. Yes. He's famous. Oh my God. James How Van Prague introduced us uh, because you have enough of that stuff going on. <laughs> um, and, Anyway, anyway, but I'm, but his brother. When I went back back years later, this was 1977 I, or 78. I was in Broadway in that. In 2008, oh boy, that's a lot of years later. 30 years later, I walk in. I, <laughs> Mike, I hear this voice. Pete, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> I look over. Hey, Mike, what the fuck are you doing here? And <laughs> and it was Mike from 30 years before, and you know some of the same folks. And so it's it's a it's a kind of a the continuity it was nice yeah yeah i mean it it is the smallest big business there is at the end yeah. of the day broadway oh um i miss it oh god don't we all don't isn't we all. that insane that it's been so long yeah it is insane which is why we're here to talk about it because it's the only way we can feel connected to it i think tbt it's it was straight. It would say it's crazy to see what's been going on in the last few years. When I, when I first came into the theater in '77, it was a revival of Hair, and New York was like a no man's land. Mm-hmm. We thought it was the greatest, most fun place to be in the world, but tourists didn't think so. Mm-hmm. And the theater was in trouble. Um, people weren't going to the theater because the Times Square area was just so dangerous. Right, and. Uh, <laughs> And then I was in the cast of Greece, and they started the I Love New York campaign. And, of course, they sent us around to be dip ambassadors to Europe to promote tourism and stuff, which was pretty funny, sending the Greaser cast to do that. Um, well, it worked. Well, it did, and it helped. And, and then just as, you know, uh, the, the tourism was starting to return, AIDS happened. Mm. And... For me, when I did Long Day's Journey in 86, and then at the next show I did was 92, was Guys and Dolls, the whole world changed within those six years for me. It was like all the people, almost all the people that I'd come up with or had discovered me or had supported me or I'd work or choreographed me or directed me or written or were gone. <clears throat> and when in the middle of it, you know, you'd see a kid who was sick on Tuesday and gone by Thursday. And so you just didn't really see how any way, how it could survive. You know, 
I remember talking to Michael Bennett about a show and he was gone and these bright shining lights that, that came up from the same influences that we all had the same influences and the same desire to sort of serve the theater. And, and that's really what united us. And, and then this terrible, terrible thing happened. And you just didn't see how the theater could possibly survive it. And sure enough, it did. Yeah. You know, but when I came back in 92, it was like a stranger. I felt like a stranger, you know, and, uh, but you know, the fabulous invalid, it'll be back better than ever. Cause it's the stories it shares. And, and the fact that you could do them with, with everybody being in the room together is something very pow- powerful for a moment. You know, nobody feels alone. And for a moment, everybody feels like we're all members of the same human family. So that'll be a good thing to remember how to do again. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peter, your first professional show... Was that hair or was there something yeah. before that? Okay. No, no. My, well, my first, I mean, I did work professionally in the Boston Shakespeare Company. Well, that counts. Uh, uh, but it wasn't, I don't think it was union. That's okay. Was, did you get a paycheck? Uh, yeah. That's I mean, not, <laughs> well, we I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I got a theater pay. Yeah. I got, that is not where we went like a few months ago. No, that was, that was the Priscilla Beach Theater. That was a straw hat theater, a summer stock. Where actually Paul Newman worked there and uh, uh, Carl uh, Rob Reiner, and it was old straw hat, which had been renovated. And we did uh, some people from where we went to school. Tufts uh, took it over and started a summer theater there while we were there. And I did a couple seasons there, and I did get paid there. I extracted five dollars a week out of the producing uh, director. Then that uh, is the a producer. professional gig, Peter. <clears throat> That's a professional gig. Yes. So yes, I made five dollars a week. <laughs> and, and Catherine, what was your first professional show? My first professional show was actually a, oh, I didn't get paid. Well, but it still counts. I, I probably should have, which counts, <laughs> makes me feel like it counts as professional. Then, then it must be theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the first workshop of Alice by Heart. Oh, um, that was, Because yeah. the story that I was told, which I think is pretty true, um, was that Stephen... Seder came to see my my high school group of, be- of best friends. Amazing. Um, put to yeah, like which we, we got very lucky with with the talent in that group. Can you tell um, us who they are? Just yeah. Them. So so Ben Platt, Beanie Feldstein, Molly Gordon, um, Natalie Margolin, who's a brilliant playwright. Um, this and there's I mean one of my best friends, Gracie Warwick, is like does all the graphic design for like Ben and me and like it just it's we have a really 
yeah. absolutely absurdly talented group of friends. Um, and we all did this concert together when we were 14. I We started this theater group called the Theater Geeks of America, um, <laughs> which is really embarrassing. Um, but I still have the t-shirt and I wear it every day. Um, and we started this theater group to sing, um, you know, for charity and raise money. And we did this concert at the Roxy when we were all 14, 15. And, um, and we, Stephen Sater ended up coming to see it. And he had been wanting to, you know, Spring Awakening was the biggest thing in the world. And it was my favorite show. It was all of our favorite shows. It was like the most revolutionary thing I'd ever experienced in my life. Total super fan. And so when Stephen Sater walked through the door, it was like, as if Mick Jagger had entered the building, um, which is how you know we were the theater geeks of America. And <laughs> he, and for anyone listening, Stephen Sater wrote the book, um, lovely, lovely, amazing man. And so he had been wanting to write us a, a new show that was for a slightly younger group. Um, and so he had this idea for Alice by, for Alice in Wonderland called Alice by Heart. And um, he decided to let us be the kids who did it. So it was all of us got to workshop in our high school theater room, um, got to workshop the first two productions or, or versions of Alice by Heart. So wow. that was my, and that was our like sophomore year of high school, I think. So, so this workshop, just to be abundantly clear, <laughs> turns out starred a Tony winner, a Tony nominee, <laughs> a Hollywood star. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It ended up being quite good. I would call that a professional gig. Wow. I think so. But I don't believe, I don't believe, and you know what? Skylar Aston was in it. Darren Chris was in it. Um, Noah Galvin ended up being in it. Um, it was, I mean, truly an insane cast. Wow. I mean, I got to say, talk about rock stars when Skylar Aston walked in the room and we were like, original Broadway cast of Spring Awakening. <laughs> I mean, tears were falling from eyes. <laughs> I mean, that's why you were theater geeks of America. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so this is dream time. If you could be in any show, anywhere, at any time, what would it be? And if you'd like, you can be in it together. Whoa. You go. <laughs> I don't think it's been written yet. I, I've loved, especially working on Jagged Little Pill, being able to originate a role was like the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I think that I just want to get to be part of more, you know, processes like that. I mean, I think Jagged Little Pill was just sort of an extraordinary experience just because in what universe do you have like a Pulitzer Prize winner, Oscar winner, Tony winner, like Grammy winner, like every every award winner Olivier. sitting in a room. Olivier winner. Like literally every single award possible winner sitting in a room listening to each other to create a show and then being invited into that process like I, I mean that's pretty insane that every time I think that about how that happened I I kind of pinch myself but I mean especially since you sent us an email years earlier I know in the first announcement that the show might possibly uh, a show might be made from the album Jagged Little Pill you wrote to his boss, I have to be in this show. I literally. It and was you like, were like eight or whatever. No, I was like, it was 2013. Right. Okay, so I you was, were nine. 
Yeah. So, kidding, okay, okay. Thank you, Dad. That's really <laughs> nice of you. <laughs> 20. You're 20. I know you. I'm, per- I'm perfectly happy for the answer to dream show, dream world to be Jagged Little Pill. So let's actually talk about that for just a moment. Yes. What, Peter, talk about that day. So your daughter, who you're excited about because she's talented and, and has had some success, but still mm-hmm. is about to enter the world of theater, which is heartbreaking and can be demoralizing and incredibly <laughs> tough, and says, I want to be in the show. I want to roll. I want, I want to do this. Like, how do you then feel? What, what, well, what do you say? Well, again, regardless of what I was feeling, I would just try to shut up and not sit, not you know spill my terrors. You would but, try. I know, I know, I can, but um, <laughs> I can't shut up. She knows. We all know. She had started performing uh, at the whiskey as a you know rock singer. Uh, singing her own com- compositions. Uh, she. When did you start that? When you were fifteen. Like 15 I started recording my whisk- own songs when I was thirteen, and right. then I started sending them to people at fourteen. Right. 14. They didn't let me do it till I was fifteen. Right. But then you know we get a call from the Whiskey A Go Go. Say yes. <laughs> uh, we just wanted to check with you. Uh, we have a women in rock lineup in May, and your da- we've invited your daughter to perform in the eight thirty slot. And, and it was like, what? Hello? Hello? <laughs> and, and how and, old is she? Because why, why are they calling the parents? Because she, Catherine sent, her, sent them the, her music that she'd been writing and working on. And they loved it. And they said, yeah, do you have a band? And, said, and anyway, she Well, because I needed parental consent. Um, right, that's what it was. were under 21. Right? Yeah. I was, um, it was the only venue in Los Angeles that would that was all ages, but I had to sign a contract guaranteeing I would sell a certain amount of tickets. Um, and in order to sign that contract, actually, my mom needed to sign that contract. So, so. but this is <laughs> right. But this is the same girl who, when she was a little girl, when we were living in New York, started a band with her friends called the Tuffies. I mean, when you were how old were you then? Seven, yes. something like that. And, and, and she said that, listen, so, um, me and the rest of the toughies are getting picked up today by Mandy Moore and we're going to be going down to Madison square garden and we are performing tonight. Uh, I said, really? I said, wow, that's really exciting. Yeah. That's going to be so cool to be playing Madison square garden. And, and I said, I'm so happy for you, Catherine. Listen, you know what, you know, just in case something happens, you know, and that doesn't happen tonight, you know, because things happen. That's not the end of the world either. And so, so then that passed. At the, yeah, they couldn't get the limo. Anyway, can we get pizza tonight <laughs> or whatever it was? And so <laughs> years, years later, it's now she's eight years later. So she's right. 15, 14, let's 14, 15, 15, 15. And she says, Dad, listen, I was just on the phone with the Whiskey A Go-Go, and they would like me to form, perform on the uh, Women uh, Who Rock show March 3rd at on the 8.30 p.m. slot. Is that okay? Can I do that? I need a band. <laughs> By the way, I need a band. And I was saying, well, you know what, Catherine? That sounds great. You know, and if it doesn't happen, <laughs> that's... 
that's okay too, because you know, it's great to be in the ring. Hi, this is the whiskey of go-go. Can we speak to uh, the, one of the parents from uh, Catherine Gallagher? <laughs> and I said, Oh my God. And so all of a sudden, you know, to me, the, so the point I'm making is I had a number of years going through that felt like terrifying. Mm. Like I remember the first time, Catherine, you sang that song. It wasn't at the whiskey. It was at the, at the Roxy, I think. Oh yeah. When I, and yeah. It was like in front of all these people. You when said, I was yeah, like 13 or something. 13. Oh, that's it. And and all these people are big. I forget the, what does the song you sang. It was not an easy out here song. on my own for uh, fame. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm thinking all these people are there. And she, well, yes, I want to do this. It was for this. And I think, oh my God, please, God, please, let hurt me. Do not hurt my little girl. You hurt me. I can take it. You hurt <laughs> me. The Don't. Drama. Oh, no, but seriously, that's listen. <laughs> listen. I know. I you know. You have I know, no I know. idea. I know, Dad. I know. And then she got up there and killed it. Yeah. And I think, oh my God, and my Bob. Terthiel says, uh-oh, I guess you're going to have your hands full. But anyway, for the next few years, it was li like that for a while. As she pulled off one amazing thing after another. And then finally, I just started to really love going to hear her new music and hear her sing. It was like I was going to hear So you just got used so, to my crazy ideas. No, I got used to the fact that you, first of all, I got used to how, how to be a parent in that. And right. we know what I could do and what I couldn't do. And also, I just it was able to, you know, it's like anything. It's like the thing we talked about all the time is you got to put in the hours. You got to put in your hours. You got to put in your hours. And then things start to become more clear. Things And then st things start to grow from the ground up. I think, yeah. I mean, one thing I think my dad has always made really, um, that has always been really helpful to me is this idea that, you know, the achievement is never what you're going for. And it's it, it, what it's about is showing up and doing the work and being prepared and learning people's names and being kind and hanging up your clothes at the end of the show. And if you do all of those things and, and you know, the accolade happens or the, you know, big flashy job happens, that's great. But it's about what happens in between. That's the real work. Mm. And I think that message has been the reason why I, you know, have sort of in doing a lot of sort of various things. And um, the, to me, there was no difference in terms of like the work ethic that I put behind when I was six years old, assuming I was going to be playing Madison Square Garden, which again was just like a scheduling issue with Mandy. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that <laughs> the the work ethic behind and the drive behind like, you know, doing a show at the whiskey or like having all of these sort of ideas, the idea never changed. It was always like, here's a gig and I'm going to work this hard because this a gig is a gig and you never know what's going to happen from it. And then, you know, it's just every opportunity is another opportunity to get up and do the thing no matter how big or small. Yeah. And that's something I'm really grateful I got to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, for me, the reward is in the doing and the reward is in the preparing for the doing and all the classes you take and all the studying you do. And so the best, it's like stand back and be surprised. The best thing in the world is to be surprised. And and for me, the the, the surprise is not that she, she's one that uh, gotten a Tony nomination or been on Broadway or this, but 
this little girl who was doing Annie with such passion and delight and commitment is this beautiful grown woman still doing things with delight and passion and commitment. Mm. It's just such a grand adventure. And I'm, I'm so glad to be a, a part of it and witnessing it and celebrating it. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, <laughs> Guys, it's time for our lightning round, which you don't oh my know God. about unless uh, you are a fan and you've listened. I, I am a fan. <laughs> of what? Of what? Of what? Of what? Of what? this podcast, Peter. Of the oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. I love I love the podcast. <laughs> you do, oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nothing like, a, nothing, nothing like an Ed Sullivan impression in 2020. God, you were so embarrassing. <laughs> Right I, I, I mean, oh I mean, we wanted to do many things on today's podcast: celebrate your daughter's Tony nomination, but also embarrass her to no end. Yeah, I think we are. Eva, this has been humbling, and I thank you. <laughs> oh, is this the embarrassing section? Okay, I'm, yeah. Maybe no, I should, no, we passed that one. Don't worry. Should, oh, last hour. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the fun section. This is this is because the show is a love letter to Broadway and to musical theater. This uh. is the lightning round, which we switch up, so it's not always the same. Fun. Today's lightning round is for the advanced class. Okay, thirty seconds are on the clock, and here we go. Before the parade passes by. Oh. I've got to get some life back. I know that. Come what on, Catherine, you know it. Dad, you know it. <laughs> well, I know it's one of two. I almost never sing, guys. So for you, you've really. I know, honestly, Eva, that was really good. It's got to be Hello, Dolly, or. or, or Correct. Or, or... Correct. Oh, Everybody loves a winner. So nobody loves me. Lady Pink. Oh, um, 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 Cabaret. Yes. Yeah. Two, you guys. Um, Hell yeah. Hell yeah, because I say Yeah. Well, someone tell me, when is it my turn? Don't I get a dream for myself? Oh the name of the musical? Gypsy. Gypsy. There you go. There you go. Somebody crowd me with love. Somebody force me to come. Oh, no, company. Yeah. Someone. Love that. There you go. Guys, you did did well. I swear. I know it felt stressful. In fact, you know what? Paula's, uh, Catherine's mom, Paula, and I did the first production of Follies after the Broadway production closed in college. And we got a letter from Sondheim saying, We lost $4 million on this show. Hope you do better than we did. (laughs) And I I played (laughs) Roscoe, the tenor, and Paul, Catherine's mom was one of the showgirls, oh. and I would sing my opening number, hats off, here they come, those beautiful girls, and then race up to the balcony to watch her float across the stage. You two are a delight. I, we are at the end of our show. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being, seriously, I'm going to get a little emotional, for being such a beautiful sign of optimism and love and family and inspiration to the rest of us. What what you both have done with your careers, but more importantly, as father and daughter, I am a daughter to a father. <laughs> and it is, it is completely, um, it is breathtakingly 
um, inspiring and beautiful to, to have you in our lives. And I don't just mean me because I know you both, but into the public that gets to watch you separately and together. So Eva, thank you. That's so well, nice. Thank you for those kind words. And thank hey, you Eva, so much thanks for, for, being you for producing and... Jagged Little Pill and <laughs> making such a great show there for yeah. that we could all enjoy. And for But thank you for those kind words. And, no, uh, it was really nice. kind of fun to, so first, interview Catherine and I have ever done. And we've never done press together. <laughs> well, now I know why. has to be ready for her battle with you two, but I, I think we have persevered. I think so. I think uh, so. Uh, I can't wait to, Peter, I can't wait to be in the audience with you watching Catherine back on stage. Oh my goodness! One of these days, it's going to be. I can't wait to do that. Wear a raincoat. Yeah. Why? Because I'll be sobbing. Oh, I get it. Sorry. Sorry. Study both of you. Turns out. (laughs) 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 Woo! That was a slow one for me. Lots of love. Fingers crossed for your nomination, Catherine. You're amazing. Thank you. I love you. Love you. You are the best. Together at last. Together forever. We're tying a knot. My first show is produced by Josh Altman, MEP, Dory Berenstein, and Alan Seals, and is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to Leslie Papa and Whitney Holden-Gore at Vivacity Media Group. For more info about the podcast, visit bpn.fm backslash myfirstshow. Follow me on Instagram at Eva R. Price. You've made me the singer. And what's that best of you always, ba-ba-boo? ba anything but you. Say that again. Yesterday was plain awful. But that's not now. That's then. I'm poor as a mouse. I'm richer than Midas. But nothing on earth could ever divide us. And if tomorrow I'm an apple seller too, I don't need anything but you. Needed his mother. Woolworth needed his shop. Orville needed his brother. Or else he'd go kerplop. You used to need work to fill every hour. I needed to feel that feeling of power. Now every other need has disappeared from you. I don't need anything but you.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.